0: This is where we remember truth, to make the world a better place, one person at a time. I'm Claire Lottier, inspirational speaker, teacher of the technology of transformation, and a certified life mastery consultant and spiritual coach. Welcome to the Grace Space. I am absolutely tickled and deeply honored to have my good friend Allison Waring in the Grace Space today. You're going to love her. Allison is a best-selling, multiple-award-winning writer, playwright, and performer. And I would like to add to that, multi-talented adventurer. She spent her early years studying, living, and traveling throughout Europe, the Middle East, the former Soviet Union, the Amazonian regions of Ecuador and Peru, and across Siberia and Mongolia into China, writing articles, essays, stories, and eventually her first book, Honeymoon in Purda, which became a national bestseller and was published in seven countries, and which is one of my personal favorite books, by the way. After moving to central Mexico in 2002, Allison shifted her focus to the performing arts, singing, recording, and touring with world and folk musicians, and later studying dance and choreography. (laughs) This remarkable woman is the author of three books, the other two being Confessions of a Fairy's Daughter, which is both a memoir and a solo play, which Allison has done over 100 performances of. And her most recent book, Moments of Glad Grace. Well, I love that title. And of course, I would. (laughs) Allison's latest project is Memoir Writing, Inc., an online writing program that guides people through the process of transforming personal stories into memoir. She also leads writing retreats in France and Mexico. In her spare time, Alison is a devoted yogi, cultivator of laughter, and color enthusiast. I am delighted that you're joining us to listen in on this conversation with one of the warmest, wisest, most authentic women I know. About how we make sense of our lives through the act of writing and ultimately transcend the stories that have defined us so that we can be free to become truly the authors of our own lives, Allison, welcome. It is so great to have you here in the gray space. What an honor to be here, thanks you know, I can't help but remember, gosh. Was it back during the summer or the late spring when you and I went for a walk together and we were walking by the river in the DJ Dolan Park in Stratford where we both live and I was telling you that I was going to create a podcast and and I said, and I have this idea, they call it the Grace Space and you said, I love that name. <laughs> and I've returned to that, that moment so many times in my mind because it's like a moment of a uh, uh, encouragement that makes me feel warm and cozy and uh, always lifts my spirits.
1: <laughs> well, the name lifts my spirits. I think it's just perfection. Yeah, it's beautiful.
0: Well, here you are. It's, uh, it's funny to think back to that day when we were walking into and to actually be on the show with you. So Mm -hmm. I would love to I'm so intrigued by you, you have been running a very successful memoir writing course for some time now and recently came online in a way that many, many more people could benefit from it. And so my first question for you is, what is so appealing about memoir writing? What does it do for us? (laughs) that's something i've been asking
1: myself because it does have much broader appeal than for example fiction writing or well any other kind of writing it is something that um that many many people are drawn to do and it it is almost like a calling it's beyond just um a creative endeavor it it's as though we just we as human beings, especially when we reach a certain point in life, when we're looking back on our life and when we're no longer, I think, in the the vast majority of people who've taken workshops with me or come on retreats or who are now um, now in the online course are women, which in in itself is rather interesting. It's not exclusively women, but let's say 98%. And that's been <laughs> the case all the way along. Um that has always intrigued me. And I have a number of theories about that. One being that um, that women are we are the storytellers. Story is how we connect. We mm-hmm. um it's how we create community. It's how we log family lore. It's um it is, in some ways, what we pass down. And it's true legacy, really. And, um, and so that has been largely the domain of women, we have told stories, I mean, not that men don't, but uh, we tell them around the kitchen table, when we go for walks along, the along the river in TJ Dolan, we don't talk about the uh, the hockey game. <laughs> we talk about our lives. No, we talk about ourselves, we talk about our lives. And we, um we're trying to make sense of ourselves, of our lives, of our um of our tragedies of our triumphs through story through through um the 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 weaving of story from experience and um and so that i think we're just naturally drawn to do that as women but why why memoir um partly it is that at a certain point in life when for for a lot of women they've stopped taking care of other people and for for a great number of them this is the first time they're really prioritizing themselves and their own life and part of that is part of that involves honoring our voice our experience our revelations our perspective our wisdom and and that is part of the process it's not just about logging what happened that isn't actually memoir memoir is about finding why what happened mattered, finding the Uh meaning behind what happened.
0: Well, that I think is a very strong connection point between your work and my work. You know, what is the, it allows us to contextualize the history of our life, the story uh, that we're connected to and that we often define ourselves by, it sounds like, and then contextualize it and then perhaps even recontextualize it. and Yeah, and transcend it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. There's it is a, the, the interesting. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> well, no, I was just going to say that that the um
1: that parallel in our work is an interesting one because we come at we as with so many things we're we're all pointing in the same direction. We're just mm-hmm. coming from different angles, and and we're actually walking towards. towards the same thing or something similar we're we're pulsing to in my case towards a truth no and and so um and part of that part of being drawn to that to write memoir um is that is that that human need and and longing to connect with truth and so and there's a lot of talk about um, you know, my story, my truth, this sort of thing, that language actually doesn't work terribly well for me, just because I don't see an ownership to it. But I do see um, uh, that my, the my story, you know, we all have a story. And, and as you say, it has for a lot of people defined them. Well, for all of us, I think, to a, to a point, it defines us. It, um it helps us understand who we are, where we came from, it helps us understand why we do things, why we didn't do things, why we made certain mistakes and so on. but the the beautiful part about memoir um well one of the beautiful things that I enjoy about it is is that the setting down of one's story, you would think maybe that it would it would give it greater weight hmm. and definition but, the paradox one of the many paradoxes one finds in this kind of work is that it does the opposite when we set it down it we separate from it to a yes. degree and it, it shifts from being my story my history this is what defines me this is who i am to a story a thing that happened to me and but but that isn't doesn't need to define who i am. In fact, i i was just doing a Q&A for the course the other day and some uh someone asked me about um is it just how it feels to have so many personal stories made public? No, do i feel exposed? And i said, well, oddly, there's a certain in the process, there's a feeling of exposing oneself on the page and there's a vulnerability one feels and and a real um, almost thinness of skin. But the, again, the paradox or the irony is that once it's laid down, there's, it's not your skin anymore. I Mm. mean, you begin, the more you work with the material, the more you begin shaping it as a story. And the more you do that, the, the greater this separation becomes. And I think unwittingly, people do find an uh, an exceptional liberation to that process that they may not have been seeking at the beginning. They just want to tell their story and put it on the page because they had all these great things that happened to them, or they had traumatic things that happened to them. They learned from it and they want to you know, set that down and share it, or or even just honor it. But what what I think people don't expect is that in so doing, they create this space between themselves and the story, and it's as though a new skin sort of shimmers to life underneath
0: that. That is so beautiful and such a beautiful way of putting it. And I have heard uh, many people say something similar when they've gone through uh, standing firm when your world is shaking, which is uh, one of the free courses that I offer. And, And part of that involves rewriting or not not rewriting, but actually examining writing a dark night story from the past. And and what people invariably discover is that once they've done that, they have a, a new perspective on the story. And, and as you say, because they have separated themselves from it, they're no longer attached to it in the same way. It's no longer totally interwoven with the identity anymore. And they discover, well, then if that's not who I am, if that story is not who I am, but it is a part of my life and a part of my history, well, who am I? Actually, mm-hmm. what am I, yeah. you know, and it opens the yeah. door to a greater mystery um, mm-hmm. and and enables people to move forward also in life and to start and to um, to create a vision for the life that they would really love to live. It's at that point, you become
1: the true author of your life. You have you have written your story, but it's actually it's actually only after that that you begin then to author your life
0: because we are ultimately the the only deciders of our perspective on the life that we've lived and we get to decide how we're going to see it and whether we use it to empower us or take us down or make us a victim or liberate us.
1: Yeah, and the thing about writing it when when I come at it, I mean it is ultimately a literary exercise but with spiritual side benefits, let's say I look at it that way. I don't ever say it that way but 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 the, to what's what's interesting to me about that is that the the more work you put into the crafting of the story, in other words, the the better the story, the 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 more literary the story. And by literary, I just mean that there's there's care taken in the crafting of it. It's not just blah, you know. It's not just words thrown onto a page. It's there is an attempt to sculpt with language. Um, and shape no shape the story into something and to make it available to other people so uh, so it's not just you reliving the story but it there's a whole process of transforming a personal story into memoir and one of those is in, in order for it to be actually a successful story successful memoir successful not I don't mean commercially I just mean one that does resonate with other people um the writer needs to have explored the story from various perspectives. Ah. Characters need actually to be three dimensional in, and, and in order to do that, one has to walk behind the character and understand their background, their history, their motivations, and so on. So that we don't paint these two dimensional characters who are all good or all even or all evil or you know, whatever that is, that doesn't actually as it just as from a literary perspective, it doesn't work. Those characters don't feel true. They don't ring true. A reader can't have a relationship with them. It's like having a relationship with a photograph or, a, you know, a, um, a sketch. But when the writer has done the work and excavated all of those characters, including their own. And that's a really interesting thing to realize you are a character in a story. And you need to, you need to walk around your own self too, and understand and see the shadows and the darkness and the motivations and have compassion for that character in a way that, that you may not have for yourself in just the telling of the story that you do in your head, No, you know, where we Guilt and blame and shame and so on. But when we craft the story, it we're required as writers to do that work. And and in so doing, well, we see things we don't we hadn't at the time. And our as you say, our perspective on the story shifts, and something something moves in. I uh, it's a form of grace. You no, know, that 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 moves in and and the story becomes transcendent in that it's no longer it's no longer attached to you you are no longer bound to it it it's well it's it's anything that we bring that kind of attention and consciousness to shifts it simply does it's just as you call it a law it's just simply
0: what happens it does not stay the same Yes, exactly. Because, um, and what you're describing is uh, the well, wh- you know, <laughs> a collection of laws that function together. But it's really that wherever we put our attention, um, we are going to shift. I mean, just the very act of putting our attention on something already begins to alter our relationship to it. And everything you say is so profound, it's so profoundly true of, uh, of life. You know, if we want to grow, we have to come to a point where we see ourselves as the, 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 the actor in our life, you know? Um, and of course you're a performer as well. And that, that is my background as well. So we have that in common and, I've I've done a lot of thinking about you know the the metaphor of of the actor and uh, mm-hmm. you know having spent 25 years of my life as a an actor on mostly on stages um you know this uh, amazing divine metaphor of what it is to be in a play, to lose yourself in a play, Mm -hmm. to forget who you are inside a play, and to allow everything that happens in a play to happen to you. And especially when you understand that your subconscious mind does not know the difference between something that you are actually experiencing and something that is vividly imagined. Everything that you go Mm -hmm. through as a performer, as an actor, uh, in a drama, uh, has a uh, a, its own reality, really, and it and it is generative mm. as a as a as an experience. It becomes generative because of what you think and feel and vibrate when you're having the experience. And so, it seems to me quite similar. You know, the act of writing something um, and realizing yourself to be the one of the one of the central actors in that story, and then having to look at yourself from all of these different perspectives, very similar to the examination that you go through uh, as an actor. But really, these are all just metaphors for life. And, you know, Shakespeare put it best or, or very well when he said, you know, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. And we're all playing this together. And, you know, <laughs> Neville, Neville Goddard says, he, he says, you know, this is a life is a divine drama and God plays all the parts. <laughs> <laughs> and you are God. Right. So gosh, I, I find that amazing. I noticed that you have quite a few young people also taking your memoir course, people in their twenties, you know, who haven't necessarily gotten to a stage of life where they're looking back. But what is the what do you think is appealing to them and what is what do they go through in the process?
1: Well, I wouldn't say I have a lot, but the ones I have are exceptional. <laughs> <laughs> so they so their stories sometimes um end up winning prizes and things like that because they have a lot of energy and well, um, and maybe they're more interested in that kind of thing too. Um, that the, um, uh, it, it does tend to be exceptional young people who are, who are seeing their life that way. Mm. I would say it's a very small minority, but as I say, they, Because they're exceptional, their stories do often end up, um, well, being very powerful and doing extraordinary things. Uh, One person who comes to mind, though, who uh, was 34 when I met her at a retreat that I um, have done and hope to do again in France. uh, She was 34 with a four-year-old daughter, but she was also living with uh, terminal ovarian cancer and she had always wanted to write and now was the time and mm-hmm. so she she just poured out this material when we were together for 10 days in France and and it was absolutely uh well it just bowled me over it was not just powerful not that it was sad but it was it was such powerful writing because it was she was fearless she was just she'd lost everything. And that was, those are in her words. She'd lost, she had nothing left to lose. And so she had nothing, she was holding back nothing. And, and it wasn't that it was just this kind of raw, um, uh, what do you call it, cathartic writing, not by no means was it that it was, she was a real artist, she was sculpting as she went. And that story we we after the retreat actually she asked do you think this story is worth writing and I hear that a lot Mm -hmm. is my story worth writing I don't know I haven't lived an extra I haven't lived an exciting life or some people have had harder lives than I have people can judge themselves very harshly and that I think is the question I get asked most often how do you know whether your story is worth writing or is my story worth writing and she asked me that same question and uh, well, I uh, didn't waste any time in replying. And I and we worked together on one little story of hers, a little snippet that defined her in that at that time, or or was defining of a, a part of her. She felt was a really important part that she wanted her daughter to know about. And uh, and then yeah, it ended up. She'd never written anything before. She didn't think of herself as a writer. She was a school teacher when she was diagnosed with cancer. And she came to this retreat only because it was on her bucket list and um, and had the same sorts of an- anxieties and insecurities that most people have. But she, as I say, was fearless and working with time. Hmm. And, and, um, and that story ended up being shortlisted for the CBC Literary Prize, which is one of The toughest competitions that there is. And uh, sadly, she died just, I think, three weeks before it was announced. But her daughter will have it anyway.
0: Wow, Uh, incredibly powerful. Do you think that writing a memoir of the past can change timelines for the future? Well, yes. Uh, Yes, I suppose, because. Mm,
1: because it's not a line (laughs) because
0: it's
1: (laughs) well yes because all of that is well it's a bit mysterious isn't it but there's no question that that when we when we mm, re-examine something from the past and and particularly if we a lot of people end up making peace with an aspect of their story in the writing. And in fact, and it's not about whitewashing. It's not about letting someone off the hook, anything like that, but they make peace with an, an element of their life, often a defining element of their life in such a way that I think of it as it, it tunes that string. Hmm. They've had this, they've had this knot or this, this string that is just it's that's how I I do feel it almost musically because when I'm sitting listening to someone reading a story that's how I I I do have I, I think because I grew up in a musical household I just that's how I process things often and um and that's how so when someone is writing reading something that is full of uh resentment bitterness when they haven't done that work or 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 when the story just isn't quite ripe, it's not quite ready. it it's when I listen to it, it feels like a an instrument that's slightly out of tune. It's just simply not tuned right yet. And and so when people do tune that, when they make that when they when they truly separate from the story, when when the story leaves them and they, are able to either transcend it or it transcends them whatever it is i think we transcend it um then and and they do that work of tuning that story then it affects every cell in their body and so of yes. course it affects their future
0: yes yes oh what an amazing way of thinking of it too it it does affect every cell in our body i mean and and really it it's a healing process because it brings things back to wholeness and and when you talk about harmony and music and things being discordant or out of tune, the process of healing is bringing things back in tune. you know and and I mm-hmm. often speak of coming into harmony with the laws of the universe and that and when we are able to do that, I mean we we have certain tools that we use. you know we we forgiveness is a big um, practice, mm-hmm. right? Gratitude is a practice. all of these, practices that when i work with people i uh, help them to introduce into their lives if they haven't introduced them already for the purpose of dissolving the knot right dissolving or um or tuning the the orchestra of their of their mm-hmm. being you know and if there's an instrument at it, that's out of tune in there you know that's jangling from the past it hasn't yet been brought into Harmony with the rest of the organism, um, it causes them pain and it it, uh, it creates limitation in their life, you know. So I absolutely agree with you that it's, I, I believe that memoir writing must be a very, very powerful tool for bringing harmony back into your whole being. And, you know, once you have processed something like that, it is felt. By all of the cells in the body, it cannot help but be, but be, uh, become uh, your new vibration in yeah. within your being.
1: Yeah, and and just to say that not everyone uh, is interested in that, that not everyone comes to the practice with that intention. And I would say a, no- I, a number of people would be quite scared off by that idea. Not wait, scared off isn't the right word. Uh, turned off. <laughs> they would, they would not be interested if if that were what was on uh, on offer and for for everyone it's slightly different depending on well depending on where they are in their lives and depending on what the story is that they're dealing with and for some some people are writing that those deep profound stories and others are writing travel stories or lighter things which which of course are going to have um well it just is a different effect and so so it, what i though feel really strongly about particularly in a workshop a live workshop or retreat we're not doing it's it's it may be therapeutic but we're not doing therapy there mm. we are doing we are doing writing we are mm. looking at the writing and what's interesting about that actually is that it's it's much less threatening too when we are no one is on the hot seat. We are we're talking about characters. We're talking about uh the shape of a story. We're talking about uh, uh, authentic dialogue and plot. And you know these things that 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 we can look at as um, we can look at them impersonally, and yet they do have they do ripple back. and mm-hmm. And that's the part I find so fascinating about it is that, even when we're just work, we're just looking at it as an art form. The work that we need to do to create great art is actually the same work that we need to do to become you know, a fuller, richer, more expansive human being. And I just find that alone quite fascinating.
0: Well, it is, it's, uh, you know, um, The microcosm within the macrocosm, right? Because ultimately Mm -hmm. we are, as you said earlier, the author of our own story, the author of our own lives, and we are, and our life can potentially be a work of art. If we Mm -hmm. are consciously crafting our life the way Mm -hmm. that we would craft some piece of art regardless of the discipline it's the consciousness that we bring to it that Mm -hmm. that that draws the line between or that that transforms something from uh, being unconscious to being conscious and therefore from being i suppose mundane in a way to being deeply meaningful even if you know you're just cleaning the floor (laughs) you know it's the consciousness we bring to it that crafts a life that 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 feels like a work of art. Mm-hmm. Does anybody ever approach you in a memoir with wanting to write a memoir of the future? I have never had that request. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but what a great idea.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because we talk about um, memory as a higher... Uh, intellectual faculty uh, yeah. uh, is as one of the higher faculties that we've been given, and I relate this to the memory of the universal mind, where basically the memory of everything is kept, right and And our subconscious mind is related to that in that it records absolutely everything. It has this massive, maybe infinite memory capacity. And uh, while the conscious mind is completely oblivious to many things, the subconscious mind is recording absolutely everything that happens, which is why under hypnosis, people come and go back and describe things in great detail that they were not consciously aware of at the time of the incident. And so memory is this vast storehouse of everything that's ever occurred or everything that ever could possibly occur, everything that could potentially occur, even if it's never occurred yet. And, um, not only do, not only is memory a backward function for remembering what's already happened, but it's also potentially a forward function for remembering something that hasn't happened yet, but that we want to create. And so, well,
1: now that you say that I do have an exercise in the course that asks people, I can't remember exactly how I phrased it, but I, it, it really is to acknowledge the power of writing, the power of deciding our story i suggest that people write um about i i as i say i can't actually remember how i crafted the <laughs> exercise but it's something it's something like be, well it's based on something i did which was uh i imagined my life 5 years hence well it, i did more than imagine i embodied the my life 5 years hence Every detail, the sensory details of what it would consist of, what it would contain, what that, um, what I would be doing, how I would be feeling, and so on. And within two years, most of those things, (laughs) yes, yes, it freaked me
0: out. Oh, but (laughs) Allison, I mean, I can't. I'm just laughing here, and I'm filled with glee and delight because this is exactly what I ask my clients to do this is what it is to create yeah to to craft a vision a real vision it's the Mm -hmm. sensory felt experience of something before you've actually lived it and it's the feeling of it that's the key the specificity of the vision what exactly you want to be living experiencing you know in your life as a as a felt experience as a living Mm -hmm. reality and then putting yourself into that world i am that person now what do i feel like how how am i now that this is my life how do i feel right and this is the the power tool of of manifestation uh is the 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 intention the thought and the specificity plus the feeling the sensory feeling Mm -hmm. as you say
1: and it's so funny because the the, because the what makes great writing so often is the specific i say the word specificity and sensory detail all the time when i'm talking (laughs) about writing no because it's so important and so many people ignore that and they speak in these general terms well no reader can inhabit a general scene right they want they want the feeling of the the they want the texture of the wool that the woman was wearing when you no know? yes. and, and when we give them that they can the reader can embody that character and be in that scene <laughs> and so it's so funny that that's also a manifestation thing well so so that exercise that I gave people to do was something like that because it had been so powerful for me I just was I was just I just wanted to acknowledge look this isn't just doodling we can actually this is really powerful work and so so why don't I I don't know whether I said one year hence or five years hence but anyway I gave them I gave them that exercise and I I don't, I ask people not to share it. It's something they do on their own and just to tuck it away, but send themselves an email timed for a year from now to go and look for that piece of writing. and pull it out.
0: <laughs> I love it. That's a great idea. I'm going to sit down and do that when we finish our conversation. <laughs> that's a great, that's a really great detail to include. You know, I think it's fascinating because there's so many common points in, in what we're, in, in what you're doing and what I'm doing and, and really, you know, having processed the past, recontextualized memoir, uh, you know, placed yourself in relationship to your past rather than um, feeling like the victim of your past or feeling um, overly identified with your past is what enables you to free yourself up so that you can design a future, so that you can design your life five years hence, three years hence. The time is really not what matters it's the vibrational alignment that brings it in right and the more you feel mm-hmm. something the more you feel yourself to believe to and believe something and feel it natural uh, to embody that well then you you become a vibrational match for it and that's when it appears in the reality by seeming magic mm-hmm. but it is the law wow this is <laughs> amazing so what are you feeling really enthusiastic about right now that's on the horizon for you allison
1: hmm Spring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking out the window and seeing green grass for the first time in months. Um, spring. I'm very excited about spring. I'm excited about, well, the course is growing and growing and uh, it, in in a wonderful way. It's just um, connecting people all over the world. People are finding writing partners and, and writing groups are forming. And um, and it, it, there's this burgeoning community, which has been so uplifting and awe-inspiring for me. That's really exciting. I'm also able now to um, offer people the next stage of things. So when people have finished the course and they want to really get moving with their writing, we're now I'm now um, able to offer work to writers who are most of them uh, looking for looking for w- ways to sustain themselves in this world. Um, they can uh, lead workshops. I'm looking forward to perhaps doing retreats again in places like France and Mexico. Um, wow i I have no i I could speak for days about the things I'm excited about. <laughs> uh, yes, the summer swimming. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's one of the things that makes it delightful to have a conversation with you. Alison Waring, everybody, uh, if you're interested in uh, learning more about Allison's memoir writing course, you'll find all the information in the show notes, the links, uh, so that you can connect with Allison and everything that she's doing. She's an amazing teacher, an amazing human being, and I'm proud to call her my friend. Thank you so much, Allison, for joining us today oh, in the you. Grace Space.
1: Thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Claire. What an honor. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining me in the Grace Space, where you're always in the right place. If you love this podcast, I invite you to subscribe to it and submit a review if you feel called to do so. Also, be sure to sign up for my newsletter right here. I look forward to spending this time with you again next week. Meanwhile, I send you love and blessings. Bye for now.